friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of September 6th. September is starting, fall is upon us. We're making the transition from summer to fall. Well, and welcome back too from a break because in August we took that month off from podcasting. So John, it feels good to be back in the studio. Good to be back in our conversations again. Yeah, it does. It does. And and we've got some fresh perspective and orientation coming out of the summer and and moving into fall. Um, we actually think some pretty big things are going on. There's there are some trends taking place in the culture, in the human heart, and in the spiritual realm that we want to shed some light on this week that's going to help you <laughs> interpret some things in your own life and, and prepare your heart for the transition into fall. I think I want to start with just very simply, uh, hey, everybody, how did summer go? Like as we're, <laughs> as we're making the transition from the kind of what we would consider the traditional, you know, Labor Day is over and summer's quote over and, and how'd it go? Like, Alan, how was summer? Did it provide the the recovery and the, you know, kind of recharging of your batteries that you needed. You know what? It it did in a lot of ways only thanks to what you had prepped us on back in April, which was oh, well, early May. Tell which, me, tell me how which, helpful my it, sage wisdom was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had asked what our soul needs most. Yes. And it was in the newsletter and it was in conversation around the outpost and on some podcasts. But the whole topic of if you were writing yourself a prescription, what would it be? And then try to live in a way that's kind to your soul for the summer. Because mm -hmm. the pull and the lure was we can finally get out. Let's do everything we've been wanting to do or couldn't do or or, or wished we could do. But even so, it's summer's gone. And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to sustain. And it felt too short. Yeah. Yep. Same here. Beautiful moments. Great things. I, I followed I followed my prescription that Jesus said. He I really wanted to travel. He said no. Mm. Uh really wanted to do a family vacation. He said no. Um, and so ours was actually very simple. Had a lot of just gardening. Nice. Flowers. Yes. Walks in the evening. I mean, really, yeah, it was like a budget summer. <laughs> but it was good, and I am keenly aware there's a little part of me inside that's freaking out that it's over because I yeah. love summer. Like, yeah. it's my favorite time of year, and I love the fall, too, but just the idea of here we go again, the world's ramping back up, and in many ways, the, wor the world is trying to make up for lost time now, businesses and that sort of thing. And like, okay, stomp the accelerator. Totally, totally. You know, now's time to, to get it all done. So what we want to start with, folks, is how was your summer? Did it refill your tanks? And, and how is your recovery coming along, everybody? And I, I, hope I, I hope I don't need to convince you all that we're still in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> like right. there there is a there is a kind of global denial going on right now that we're just going to bounce back quickly from the trauma of the pandemic. Yes. And and 
yeah, it's just classic human nature. People don't want to face the reality that trauma is trauma and it has long-term consequences, right? right. I, I am staggered at my mental fragmentation still. Like I will, honestly, I will pick up my phone to text someone and in the three seconds it takes to, you know, open my phone and click on the texting app, I don't either remember who it was I was going to text <laughs> yeah. or what it was I was going to text them. Right. Are you, are you aware of the mental fragmentation still? Oh, totally. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with friends, Kelly, my wife, where I'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, this other thing too. And, and she's like, what? And I'm like, I, I don't know what I was going to say. Like, whatever thought I had two seconds ago, I no longer yes. have yes. with my response time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Everybody I know has, you know, COVID brain and pandemic brain. Everybody yes. does. Right. And I was chatting with a trauma therapist friend of mine, and he was looking on, you know, searching Google Scholar, trying to find, is, it, is anybody figuring out how to fix this? And, and so far, the answer is no. Hmm. It's, it's, this is one of the effects of trauma. And it's one of the symptoms. I think I think the desperate longing for summer to have lasted six months this year is another one. Yes. Right? True. And so I just want to say, everybody, we have not yet paid the bill mm. for the pandemic. We haven't. We have not paid the psychological bill. And, you know, some folks dear to us have some young children and they're reentering the school thing with a lot of anxiety. And I, I don't I don't think it's just about, oh gosh, you know, it's a new school year and do I have the right clothes? Like there is an anxiety level in children that was ushered in by the pandemic that has not yet been healed. Okay. Yes. So everybody, like wow. we're all in recovery. Mm. And what happened over the summer was that the entire world basically rushed out to get relief. Right. I had friends who did get to Hawaii, but they couldn't get a rental car. Like one of the phenomenon of, of sort of yes. like the pandemic yes. kind of thing, there were no rental cars. Yes. And and some other friends of ours were trying to book a, a VRBO in their basic area. They weren't even traveling. You know, they just wanted to go get some vacation yes. time a couple hours away. You couldn't get a VRBO no. in any of the popular locations. Right. Well, I was in a hotel last week and it was so full and they were so overwhelmed. When you checked in, I said, I'm going to be here for five days. And they said, great, we're not going to be up to your room at all. And so what? your towels, <laughs> you're going to reuse your towels. Okay. You, you know, you're not going to have a bed made. You're, yes. And it's like, it was kind of vacation, but it was kind of, it was bizarre because. It is bizarre. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I went the opposite direction. I went camping here in Colorado, just to get a couple days away, try and get, you know, that last sip of summer mm -hmm. and and get some restoration. Every single campground was full. And then I went to some remote trailheads just to do some hiking. At the remote wilderness trailheads, yeah. there was no parking. Like all the way down the dirt road, there was, it was insanity. Uh, the world yeah. went mad. And, and my concern now is the battle for hope and for our Eden hearts. 
And, and here's why. We're going to begin kind of weaving together a tapestry of what I hope will be some real um, understanding and, and kind of put things into orientation here. Because the, the truth is a, a one or two week vacation, no matter how wonderful it was, isn't going to do it. No. It, it's not going to heal and bring about the level of recovery that we need. And, and as that reality settles in for people, and we find ourselves suddenly in September and school demands and work demands, and here we go, and I'm concerned. So let's start with the idea of reserves, mm -hmm. because as we were going through 2020 and 2021, we would check in with our staff here, the team at Wild at Heart, just to make sure how everybody's doing. And the problem is human nature rallies. That's a great thing about us. People rally, yes. you know, and we face, you know, catastrophes and global pandemics and that kind of thing. Um, but what we don't, what we're not aware of is that it's burning our reserves. And so you can ask somebody, hey, how are you doing at the end of summer? And they're like, hey, great. Right. I'm flying, man. It was awesome. I love summer. We got to surf. We got to whatever, right? Yes. Then you go, and how are your reserves? And we would do this with the staff going through the last, you know, 18 months just to check in on people. And right now, the, the staff consensus is, you know, sort of my reserves are at about 20%. Mm -hmm. And so, friends, even as you're, as you're beginning to kind of listen to us and dial in, think about what we're saying, let me ask you this. I want you to respond to it too, Alan. Okay. If your house burned down this weekend, and you had to start over clothes, dishes, bills that you can't find that you know you need to pay, credit card statements, like all of yes, kids' yes. stuff, you know, school supply, every, it's all gone. And everybody survives. There's no, there's no human tragedy, but you just, your house burns down. Yes. Would you have the reserves to kick into gear and start over this fall? Not at all. <laughs> no. I wouldn't, and and it. I don't even have the reserves at the end of the day when I'm coming home for dinner right. that I had, and the house is fully there and everything's exactly. there. And I, I find getting through the normal routine that it was pre-pandemic is everything I've got. And so when I come home, if there's any new problem, any issue, I find it's a real struggle just to stay fully present in it and to feel like I've got what it takes to whatever this is. Right. You know, the other day our door wouldn't open, like the lock jammed in the doorknob. And, and to me, it was a huge, huge thing. And Kelly was like, Alan, this isn't that big of a deal. Like, you can fix that. You know how yes. to fix this. And it ended up taking about half an hour yeah. with the right tools. But in the moment, it felt like I was being asked to just run up Pike's Peak. Okay, there, that's it. And I'm hoping this is helping people kind of dial into, oh, okay, now I understand what you mean about recovery and we haven't paid the bill yet yes. for the pandemic psychologically. Because Stacy was describing it. She said, you know, summer was helpful. It really genuinely has been. And she said, I feel like my reserves are coming back. But she went on to say, they feel very tender and one crisis, and it feels like I've spent them. 
yeah. you know, I, I've got a, yeah. you know, suddenly we get, we get the phone call and a friend's in the hospital and it's late stage cancer that they weren't even aware of. And, oh, you know, and you, and I'm tapped out. Right. You know, I'll, I'll rally, we'll show up, we'll love, we'll pray, but then I got, I got nothing. Well, and John, it's even simple, you know, not even like a crisis thing. Like I find myself, if I go to a party for three, four hours, Saturday night, Sunday, my desire is I need to spend the whole day at home recharging the battery just from a fun couple hours out. Yeah. Okay. So the fragmented mind, the depleted reserves, and just the diminished capacities. Like I just get to the end of the day and I I don't have what I used to have. You know, I, I used to be able to flourish in the evening and get more things done, personal mm-hmm. things. You know, I no, it's like <laughs> flop on the couch and turn <laughs> on the TV. Right, right. Okay. yeah. So these are all signs that we are in recovery, gang. And just to take kindness to that, take a kind approach, reserves take a long time to replenish. They don't just bounce back. And this is, okay, now I'm getting into sort of my concerns for people. One thing that would be very helpful is I'm realizing that we've got to take a long-term view of our recovery. Hmm. And again, I think the global denial and the mad rush out there and no hotel rooms, no rental cars, woo, you know, yes. certain people are predicting a new roaring 20s, you know, after World War One, and then the Spanish flu, which came through the pandemic. you know, the United States and Europe experienced the roaring 20s, a time of indulgence and parties and money spending and that sort of thing. And it didn't work. That doesn't heal the trauma of a world war or of a pandemic like the Spanish flu. So for one thing, I think it's really kind to say, okay, we've got to take a longer term view of our recovery. And this is really good news because if you were hoping summer would do it, and you're beginning to feel a little, uh-oh, that it didn't do it, um, the good news is that's okay. That's okay. It, it couldn't do it. it. You need to take a longer-term view of, yes. of this. And I, I do want to say, I think we are recovering. I think humanity is, you know, particularly the friends of God who are tapping into the resources of God. But as Stacy said, she said, my recovery feels like a sapling. Mm. It, it's little. It's good. And it's yeah. tender. And, and the next serious storm, you know, could... Snap it. Yeah, yeah. take it out. Yeah. So we're getting started. And that idea of prescription, I think is still very important. So folks, if you missed that, I think it was the April letter. Right. And it, I think it was, we did a podcast on that. Right. I can put that in the show notes. Great. For people. So the, just the idea of asking Jesus now, this fall, what is your prescription for me, Lord, for my recovery? And then, and then being willing to stay with it. So those of you who did ask, <laughs> the embarrassing question is, and, and do you remember what it was? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and are you staying with it? Because that will really help. Um, I think the natural graces still help the book, Get Your Life Back, and the resources there of stillness and beauty, allowing yourself transition time between one thing and the next, you know, uh, just reducing your amount of screen time and your technology, those those simple things, time in nature, that still works. Right. Sitting on your 
balcony of your apartment and watching the sunset, it still works. Right. There is goodness to that. But I think we need something more because of the moment that we're living in. And now I want to kind of bring together sort of what I'm describing as the perfect storm, some perspective. There's trends going on that I see in my own life, I see in the world, and I think we better name them. And first off, after so many months, more than a year in some people's cases of, of deprivation of the pandemic, you know, the working from home, trying to figure out school for your kids, now they can go, now they can't, now we're homeschooling, just all that, right? Mm -hmm. Living in a world where every human countenance was veiled by a mask. Yes. Now this isn't this isn't a statement on masks, so people don't get upset about that. But just you have to understand that we respond to the human countenance in nanoseconds. The brain actually receives it and processes it more quickly than reason. And so you can look and go, this person is friendly, not friendly. This person is happy, they're sad. This person wants to engage, no, they're yes. checked out, right? right. And you just, you, right. well, when all that's veiled from you for months and months and months, like this has an effect on the human soul. And, and after all of that, you know, the all the little losses of we couldn't go get dinner where we used to go, we couldn't go to movies, we, just everything, yeah. right? Right. After months and months and months of deprivation, there is a kind of desperation to refill our famished souls. And this, this is the roaring 20s phenomenon. And it's what we mm -hmm. saw this summer. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the rush is an attempt to get back to normal and your soul can't do that. And my friend Dan, who actually was working on a book on trauma, my friend Dan Allender was telling me about World War II and Dachau, the uh, prison camp Dachau. Mm -hmm. And when the allies got there and liberated the prisoners, there was actually um, like a bakery nearby. The, so the soldiers are like, they just ran in and raided it. They're like bread, cheese. I mean, because the people right. were, you know, skeletons. And so they start bringing in bread and wine and cheese. And the prisoners started dying within hours. Mm because their bodies were not able to assimilate what was to them once very normal, right? Yes. Like after years of starvation, they just couldn't take in that, the volume of it, what it was, you know? Right. And so the medics had to come in and of all terrible things, like take the food away. Wow. And, and, and administer it in a much more conscious way. As well, it's the same thing of the human soul after periods of deprivation and trauma, it doesn't work to binge. Mm. It's actually hard on the soul. Your soul literally can't absorb the nutrition of it, right? Right. Okay. Right. Wow. And, and it, it explains, I think, for many of us, some restraints that we feel Jesus putting on our binging. You know, the number of people I know that wanted to take big trips. Oh, we wanted to go. We were going to go to, you know, Cozumel for two weeks and that kind of thing. And God said no. And, oh, we were going to try and, you know, get the vaccine and get to Europe. And God said no. And and he did it on my summer as well. There were so many things I wanted to do. And he kept saying no to it because he was, he was aware that I'm in recovery. Yes. And binging won't work. And so this sort of global denial of rush out, 
binge, mm-hmm. for one thing, it, it is denial. It's it's pretending like we're not in recovery. Yeah. And then it sets us up for disappointment. And and as again, as I was talking to my friend Dan, he was he was saying that his concern is that disappointment turns into disillusionment without interpretation. Like if you don't understand what's going on, well, how didn't how come it didn't work? And now it's fall. Right. And oh, what yeah. am I gonna do? My soul, my kids, my we're all back. My my boss is asking me to put in extra hours right now and I can barely make it to five o'clock. Right. Right. So there is this famished craving in us and this failure to recognize that recovery takes a long time. Mm-hmm. We try and fill it. It doesn't work. And, and now's the battle. This is the battle I was talking about for hope and for our Eden hearts. Because our Eden hearts are so famished and our recovery has only just begun, disappointment sets us up for disillusionment and then desolation. So Alan, you know, because as a team, we've been talking quite a bit internally about some of the spiritual trends in the world. Right. And Paul writes about it. Jesus writes about it. Daniel, the prophet, wrote about it. There is a figure that comes onto the world stage towards the end of the age that brings about desolation. And without getting into you know the fine points of prophecy or what was that referring to or is this an actual person, a world leader? In First John, he says there's the Antichrist and then there's the spirit mm-hmm. behind it. We're talking about the spirit. There is a force that is very active in the world right now that I would call desolation. It, it's a kind of barrenness of soul. It's a, it's a sudden loss of faith. I've had friends who have come under it, strong believers who for a period of time, several weeks, you know, a month, felt like they weren't Christians anymore because oh, wow. this desolation comes in and you just feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know what I believe. I don't have a lot of hope right now. I'm not even sure that I have confidence in God right now. It's a, it's a very strong force. And I believe it is the main player on the stage right now. I believe what is behind COVID. Now, again, we don't need to get into the politics or the medicine or that sort of thing. But when you take away from people, just thinking of a sweet, sweet 15-year-old girl we know, vibrant, vivacious, outgoing she and her family went through COVID, and for them, it was like a flu. Um, recovered, you know, in less than a week, but she lost her sense of taste. And this is a girl who like loves mm. Korean food and Thai food and spicy yeah. things, and she's eating like rice because she just doesn't care. And that's a kind of desolation. That's a kind of yeah. barrenness, and you live with that. If you go, wow, I'm never going to get my taste back. Ooh, that sets you up for desolation. Right. 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 What I love that you're naming is when we look at the natural world and think that's all there is, and then there's loss or deprivation, we try to fill it with natural means. Yes. You know, the the rush to 
vacation or whatever, and it doesn't satisfy, and then we're worse off than we were. But when you point out the supernatural, the spiritual, the unseen, yes. then you go, of course, the natural isn't the antidote to a supernatural problem ever. It's never enough. Right, right. And if we're not aware of what's going on in the world around us, the effects of the pandemic, the psychological bill that has not yet been paid, mm -hmm. the fact that we are all still in recovery, that binging doesn't work, didn't work, summer's gone now. And we're now being, the world is demanding of us the same performance it asked prior to the pandemic, but we don't got it. Right. And then this figure, the enemy comes in to bring in a kind of hopelessness, a, a form of desolation. And for me, this summer, I got clobbered by this thing because I had a couple hopes that I really, I really felt like God was in. And, and we don't need to get into the details. They were small little joys, really, but they were stolen so suddenly and almost violently from me one thing through an accident and, and another thing through a relational thing. They were just stolen. And okay, so that's, that happens, right? We Not a big deal. But then if, if this figure, if this spiritual force of desolation is there and pounces on it, right. I was bereft. Right. I, was, wow. I was devastated. And it really threw me in my life with God for several weeks because I thought God was in it and then it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And wait, I thought you were good and all that, right? Right. Okay, so you've got the human side. We're all in recovery. You've got this spiritual figure of desolation. And, and then there's this third trend I wanna bring in. I have noticed with heartbreak a number of really beautiful saints, really great friends of God, kind of walking away from it all, walking away from their life with God. Not like flagrant apostasy, not multiple affairs, not, you know, uh -huh. not sudden, you know, heroin addiction, although those things happen, but just a a losing heart, okay? Right. Losing heart. Yes. And a giving up on God. And some of these folks, these, these are like close friends of Jesus for years. I'm not talking about mm -hmm. Sunday Christians, yeah, but people who really had a life with God. And I'm looking at this trend and I'm going, wait a second, wait a second. One of the other signs of the end of the age, in, in addition to this desolation thing, Paul refers to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and he says before kind of the sweeping climax of everything, he says there's going to be a great falling away. And sometimes the word there is used, apostasy, but apostasy is not helpful because it's so dramatic. You know, it sounds like an end of the age Hollywood movie sort of thing. And I was listening to the a podcast by a Bible guy, biblical theologian, and and he was riffing on Second Thessalonians two, and he was saying, you know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be as dramatic as it sounds. He says, I just think it's going to be a massive number of people who, out of disappointment, pull away from God. Hmm. Just, just it isn't, you know, I'm gone. I don't ever right. want to see you again. Right. You know, it's just 
I'm really disappointed. I'm going to go somewhere else for life. And I've seen it personally. I've seen it in our own world. I kind of, you know, heard reports of it. And I'm looking at that going, wait a second. We are, we are set up. This is that moment. Yes. So here's the right. perfect storm. We come out of the pandemic with very beat up souls. We are in recovery, but it's very tender and young. We're not, we're not anywhere near back uh -huh. to our former selves. We rush out to try and get the bounce back. You know, give me, give me the fix. <laughs> What's gonna get me back there? Or we just pretend that everything's fine. I have a number of people in my life who are pretending that everything's fine. And it doesn't work. And it sets us up for disappointment and disillusionment, right? Right. And then this guy, this desolation thing jumps on it. Mm. And then you have that, I'm just gonna give up on God. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna turn away. And from there, you're you're toast. Right. Like, I mean, turning away from God and, and either faking it or trying to muster it up in your own strength it is a disaster in the making from a spiritual heart level, right. you're sunk. You're going to dig it deeper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, you know, you can't rally enough and, and then you're further discouraged and, and then maybe mad at God. And so there's this rush to get past the reality that we need recovery. There's this rush to get past it. There's the disappointment opening the door to desolation and then, and then just kind of giving up on God and, what I want to say, therefore, is that our recovery is taking place in a perfect storm, and we've got to be really smart about this. We have to be very aware of what's operating right now. At a human level, mm -hmm. the need for recovery. Mm -hmm. At a cultural level, this global denial. It's just madness, you know. Uh, the binging, the roaring 20s thing. And then the spiritual forces that really are trying to cause this falling away, this giving up on God. And, and so I want to suggest three things to help to help our listeners and our staff. We, we were actually were just chatting about this last week. First, just to come back to the idea to take a long-term view of our recovery. And it takes the pressure off of what summer did and didn't do. It takes the pressure off the fall, or maybe you've got that trip still planned out there. And it yeah. just takes the pressure off to say, enjoy the good things that are there to enjoy by all means, but don't expect them to take care yes. of us in a week or two, all right? We take good. a long-term view of our recovery. It's really gonna be helpful. And, and just to realize, oh, I am in recovery. So when you were describing getting home at, you know, 6 p.m. and having nothing. Right. No guilt, no right. shame. You just go, oh, right. I'm still in recovery. My reserves are actually still really low. If you can be kind to yourself and try to find things that bring life instead of yes. getting busy or just pushing harder, yes. harder, and harder. I think that's super helpful. Yeah, that's yeah. good, Alan. And not asking yourself to perform at the levels you used to perform at. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just kindness, okay? So long-term view. Secondly, we have to, have to, have to guard our hearts against desolation. And again, this isn't, this isn't a cultural thing. This isn't a personal thing. We're talking about 
warfare. We're talking about the reality yes. of the enemy trying to usher in a kind of desolation that can reflect in a lot of different ways, from hopelessness to loneliness to a, a feeling of bereftness. You're not really looking forward to tomorrow. That low-grade desperation of, oh no, you know, what do I do now? It can come in in so many forms. So when when the enemy's doing that, are you, if you start to feel that, the point you can change it is not to agree with it, right? Make like, no agreements with desolation. Because you're going to feel it. But. Yeah, you are. And then to bring the Eden glory of God against it. Desolation is like a desert. It wants to make everything like a desert. Mm. You know, take away. So what happened to me? I, you know, I got COVID and it, you know, for months I didn't have a great sense of smell. And I love smelling flowers, forests, rivers. Like I love, I love my sense of smell. It's like one of my places of just daily joy. It's like, oh, you know, there, there's there's the petunias, or you know, yes. I love it. And to have poverty of various kinds like that can just really make your heart sink and think that, man, I'm never going to get that back. There's no, and then desolation comes in. But particularly, particularly in the pull to give up on God and to just go, whatever, like, sure, I'll get back to God, you know, in a while, but I'm just going to go find joy. I think that's the real thing, by the way. I think that's what's been going on is, yeah, 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 God. Sure. Yeah, 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 God. Yeah. But right now I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go do what I want to do to get me joy. Mm. I think that's, mm. that's mm. the real pull. Right. And, and so to let the Eden glory of God, the glory of the Lord is our shield. The glory of the Lord is our strength. In Isaiah, he says, my sons and daughters who I made for my glory. We're actually meant to be filled with the glory of God. It's a source of strength to us and our shield. And it's really helpful against desolation to pray it, to mm -hmm. believe it, to claim it. And then third, lastly, I really think we've got to lovingly shepherd our Eden hearts. Because at the bottom line, I think the battle is for hope and for the golden places in our hearts. I get the binging. I get the summer rush. I do. I wanted to indulge in it myself. And, and I, would, I would have these experiences through the summer. I'm wondering if you did as well, Alan. There would, there would be certain things that would trigger the longing. Somebody would send me a picture from their trip. Yes. And, and I would go, oh, that looks so good. Yes. Or, or I would just have a memory of summer's past mm -hmm. and how great that, you know, Teton trip was. Or I would go, oh, wow. And it would trigger these Eden longings in my heart, what I call the golden places. Yes. Places in us that just yearn for you know, the sweetness of life. Right. Laughter on the porch, dinner with friends, yes. you know, yes, the ocean, yes, the mountains, like, right? Exactly. Yeah. The other day I was looking through photos online, not my own, but just that were posted of different oceans and beaches and the turquoise clear water and, and with the sun and, and just, you know, the hammock off to the side. And yes. I'm like, that would be it. That's and it. And I have to go, yeah. no, that would be really good, but that's not it. Yeah. That's not the cure. Yeah. And the thing is, be kind to that Eden longing in you. 
Like, yeah. like, because the other thing we do then is we just shut it down and we just go, that's not going to happen. Get back to work. Yeah. But that, those longings, those places, those are golden places in us. They really are some of the most precious places within our souls. We have to shepherd them and protect them from disappointment and disillusionment and even binging. And the way we do that is we shepherd them back to God. And I would have these longings come up. I mean, honestly, it was amazing what could trigger it. And everybody has their own thing. But for me, the smell of cottonwoods and rivers in the summer, mm. like just triggers for me, float trips, fly fishing, adventure, joy, like uh-huh. those, that's like one of the golden places. And it, it, it would trigger it, but I couldn't go do it. And that's vulnerable because uh-huh. you just go, well, shoot, you know, I'm just more bereft, right? Right. Um, more of the poverty of the pandemic and all that. Yes. And instead to say, Jesus, I give you my Eden heart right now. I give you this Eden longing. Hold this, keep this, Lord, fill this with your love and your life. Meet me here. Meet me in this longing because we can't, and even if you got it, friends, it's summer's gone. Right. And then, you know, right. we're back at it. And honestly, the thought of winter could. Don't, don't al- go there. Could, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it could almost send me into total apostasy. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> so, so there we are. We, our capacities are, are lower than they used to be. We are in recovery. Our reserves are low and they take time. Mm-hmm. And just to be kind with that and say, oh, okay, I'm in a longer term recovery than I thought. That's just really kind. And then to go, and the enemy would love to jump in with disillusionment and disappointment and heartache and loss, and then just a bereftness. Right? Yes. And then the temptation at that point is to give up on God. It's like, well, whatever. Like, I'm just going to go get what I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, drink more, eat more, have an affair, whatever, you know. Yeah. We shepherd our Eden hearts. We shepherd our Eden hearts back to God. And we ask him for strength in this hour. Give us strength, Lord. Give us strength. Because we're in a very unique moment in history, right? Not a lot of people have lived through what we've just lived through. And there are these unique spiritual forces going on right now. So, wow, let's be smart about this. Right. Give me strength, God. Shepherd my heart through this time. So helpful. So hopeful. I hope so. I hope so. I really wanted to provide just some orientation of like, hey, this is what's been going on. This is what's taking place. Mm-hmm. Let's be really smart about this and protect our hope, protect our life in God. Okay. I know that was a lot. <laughs> there are, you know, movements in the human heart, movements in the world, movements in the heavenly realms all converging together. That's a lot to take in. And what I want to do now over the next three weeks, uh, we're going to turn this into a four-part series. So episode two next week and, and, and uh, three and four, we'll go back now and slowly unpack this. What does it mean to take a long-term view? Uh, how, how do we guard our hearts in a time like this against disappointment and desolation? And probably most importantly, how do we shepherd our Eden hearts in the world as it currently is? So 
We're going to go back, take our time, walk through this together. 